0: In this episode, we're going to cover Windows Azure Mobile Services. Now this episode has been sponsored by Microsoft to keep it free for all. And I'd like to show you what Windows Azure Mobile Services can offer you. So at a high level, mobile services consist of authentication, a database, scheduled tasks, scripts, push notification, and logging for your application. It can be really useful if you don't have the expertise to build a backend, or you just don't want to maintain servers and services. So today we're going to create a chat application powered by Windows Azure Mobile Services and we'll go ahead and get started. So I have the application here, it's got three screens we have a lobby view controller that has a list of all the rooms available you can sign in in which case you go here and then there's a chat view for when you tap on one of the rows. So getting the Windows Azure client code can be linked through CocoaPods here. Now if you follow the instructions on the Windows Azure page, there's a way to download a framework and link it manually, Uh, but I've created a CocoaPod, and it's actually available in the root of the project. Here you can see the pod file that I'm using, and I'm just using a local pod spec for Windows Azure Mobile Services. Now I have issued a pull request for this pod spec to be incorporated into the official repository, and hopefully that'll be merged soon. In addition, I'm using Messages Controller, which will give me a nice chat UI which we'll take a look at in a little bit. So let's take a look at the Windows Azure portal. This is what you'll see once you've signed up for an account. And we can create a new mobile service for free. And for the URL, I'm going to say NS screencast Chat Demo. And we're going to create a new SQL database instance in the East region. It's going to prompt us to create a database. And I think that's fine. So we'll just go ahead and select that server. And we have to give it a good password and that should work. Okay, so at this point it's creating a uh, a mobile service for us. Now the database that it's using is also available here as a standalone database. So if you have the SQL Server Connection uh, client software or you can use the web-based interface to manage the database directly, uh, the point I'm making here is that it's a real database that you can talk to. Our service is now ready so I'm going to click on the button here to go to it and this is the dashboard for our service. So I'm going to start off and go to the Data tab, and we need to create three new tables. So I'm going to create a table called Messages, and I'm going to hit OK. And you also have the ability to configure permissions for each one of these. I'm going to ignore permissions for now, which basically means our service is wide open for anybody to modify it. But uh, that's OK for our demo. So I've got Users, Rooms, and Messages. And notice how I'm not creating any columns for this. We just have three tables. They have no records and no columns yet. The next thing I want to do is go over to the Identity tab. Now, Windows Azure Mobile Services supports Microsoft, Facebook, Google, and Twitter. And here I'm going to add my Twitter settings for an application I've created on Twitter.com already. I'm going to paste in my consumer key and secret. I'm go ahead and save it. Now I'm going to go over to Push, and this is where we can configure push notifications for the various platforms. Here I need to create an Apple push notification certificate. Now I followed the steps that I did in my previous screencast on push notifications and I already have a certificate ready to go. So I'm going to go ahead and browse for this file. So here we have a development certificate present. And this will allow Windows Azure to talk to Apple on our behalf. Okay, so that's all we really need to talk about right now. If we click on this little thing, we'll get to the quick start, and this is where you can see how to connect our application to the service. Now we can create a new iOS app, in which case they will uh, just give us a pre-configured Xcode project, or we can click on connect an existing app, and it will show you how to do it manually. Now I don't need to do any of this because I've already linked the CocoaPod, but I do need to copy this client code here, client setup code. This contains our uh, URL string and our application key. So, now back in our application, I'm going to go to the app delegate. And here in our app delegate, we are going to be handling push notifications. So, we need to go ahead and register for that. And I'm going to go ahead and just save the token that we receive in the uh, NSUserDefaults. So, here I'm going to check to see if our target is the iPhone simulator uh, because we cannot support push notifications unless we're running on a real device. And then we're going to prompt for push notifications for the notification type alert and badge. And in the case of error, um, if like, the user doesn't allow it, I'm just going to say failed to register. And if the user does allow it, I'm going to uh, take the token string, replace any brackets, and set that into NS user default so that we can pick it up later. Now moving on to our lobby view controller, we have some code that we need to write in here, starting with setting up the client. Now I've already uh, copied that code, so I can just paste it in here. And instead of assigning a local variable, I'm just going to um, use my property that I have set up. Now here in viewDidAppear we need to check to see if the user is signed in and we can do that by checking the client's current user and then we would make sure uh, to see if that's nil or not. So if we don't have a current user then I'm going to call this method signIn which doesn't exist yet and if we do have a current user then our, our UI already has a sign in button so we just need to set Uh, we're going to say setup sign out button. So that there's a way to sign out. I'm just going to paste in a couple of methods here uh, for setting up the sign out button and the sign in button. And now we have to implement the sign in and sign out methods here. So sign in is pretty easy. All we need to do is uh, perform the segue. Uh, This segue is actually configured on our storyboard. And the sign out method, uh, we just need to say that the Let's see, the user is equal to nil, and then we need to set up the sign-in button so that the user can sign in again. Next, we need to make sure that when we're doing this segue that we can pass off this client we've created over to that view controller before it's presented. So let's go ahead and implement the prepare for segue. We're going to check to see if our segways identifier uh, is equal to string sign-in segue, and if it is, then we just need to get the a destination view controller, and the destination view controller is a navigation controller. We need to get the topmost view controller and associate the client with uh, with that view controller. And this is because our sign-in view controller is also going to talk to our service, so we need a reference to this client. So now in our sign-in view controller, if we go back to our storyboard just so we can see what it looks like, we have this sign-in with Twitter button and we have a cancel button. Now these are already linked up, so we can uh, just implement these two methods. The first one is Twitter tapped, and that's pretty easy to do. Uh, First, we need to call self.client login with provider. And there's a few options here. Uh, I'm going to use this one because it's the easiest. So login with provider. The provider is going to be Twitter on controller self. And this is because we're going to be presenting it modally. Uh, We're going to say yes, animated. And then we have a completion block. So this is going to authenticate with the Twitter API using the web interface. Now, first we need to check to see if there's an error, and if there are, we just need to present an, a UI alert view. Now if we haven't received an error, then all of a sudden now we have our user and we can associate that to current user, so that we can retrieve it anywhere. Now really the only thing that that gives us is a, a user ID property, which will look something like Twitter colon and some ID at the end. Now we're going to be using this in a few places, so just keep that in mind. Then after associating this user, uh, I want to call another method called setUser and this is going to be user.userId and this is going to actually create the user on the server. So this uh, set user method, we want to create an NSC user. Now this is a class I've created uh, that will just encapsulate some of the properties that we would expect on a user. So we're going to say uh, allocInit. Now, with every API call that gets sent to our Windows Azure Mobile service, uh, this user ID will automatically be associated with it. But we need to uh, maintain a list of other data, including the user's device token and username. Now, the username we don't have yet, but we're going to fetch that from the server. So really, the only thing I can set right here is the device token. And remember, we got that from NSUserDefaults. Uh, now that we have a user, now it's time to make our first remote call against this API. And we do that by getting a reference to the table. So we can have the users table. And that's going to be uh, self.client get table. And that's users. So then we just call insert. So users table insert. And we need a dictionary of properties. Now, these properties that we pass in here are what create the columns later on. So our user model, if we take a look at it, has an attributes method, which returns a dictionary. And the two things that we're uh, passing in are the room ID and the device token. Now, when you first create a user, uh, it doesn't exist in any room. So we're just going to pass in a room ID of zero. And the reason I pass in this value is that I want this column to be created, and I need to tell it, give it a hint of what the column type is which is why I don't create it with a null here. I may end up with that same problem on the device token, so we may need to make sure that the device token is sent and uh, is an empty string. Now if you already have a column this isn't really necessary, but for the initial call you might have to do that. So for our attributes now we can just call uh, user attributes and we get a completion block. Now in the completion block we can Say, if an item was returned, uh, we can basically, if there was an error, there won't be an item. And if there's an item, there won't be an error. So if we did get an item, then we just need to uh, associate the user ID with that item. And we can pull that out like this in value. And then we're going to need this user ID later on. So I'm just going to do something a little bit lazy and associate that in NSUserDefaults as well. Next, we just need to tell the view controller that we're done. and We can dismiss it. And if we got an error, then I'm just going to paste in an alert view here saying that we couldn't create their account. So what we've done here is we've authenticated with Twitter on the client and then we've sent the device token and the Twitter ID to the server along with a room ID so that our table will get created and we'll have some default values in there. I mentioned earlier that uh, we were going to fetch the Twitter ID from the server. So let's go ahead and do that now. We're going to go to the data tab, go to the users table, And there is a script tab here. So on insert, there's a few things that we can do here to take control before we actually insert a new record. So the first thing we want to do is we want to try to get a user by this user ID. And so I'm going to try and get a new user by the user ID, user.userID. And that's going to call a function that will tell us whether or not we got a user. And uh, we're just going to assume that this succeeds. Uh, In the event of failure, the, the request will get halted and the client will get a 500. Uh, so we can go ahead and deal with this. Um, if if there is a user, then we just want to call update user. Again, this function doesn't exist. We're going to pass in the user and uh, the item that we're posting. Uh, so that way we can copy the attributes over for that. And then once, the, once that is done, uh, we're going to pass in some options to that call. And on success for that one, we're going to have a function called here that we can just say request uh, dot respond, passing in the user, and of course uh, we need status codes uh, dot okay here. So we're going to respond with that user here. So if there is not a user present, then we want to fetch the Twitter username by that user's user ID, and again we want a function here for the username. Uh, the Twitter username, and then maybe an error if we can't talk to Twitter. So uh, if we found again, I'm, I'm pretending that this method already exists. So if we found that the, the uh, username, so I can say if uh, username, then I just want to associate that username with our our original user that we're inserting. So this is going to be item dot username equals username. And we're also going to set the user ID property uh, because we're going to refer to this in other tables. Uh, we're going to be able to pull out their username or user ID and then join it on this table in order to get the username. Once we have that, we can just proceed with the original call to request.execute, which will insert this item. Now, if we didn't have a username, that means either Twitter ret- received an error or whatever. Let's go ahead and log that. And in this case, we just want to respond with a failure couldn't fetch Twitter username and this will render a 500 to the client so at this point we can take out our original uh, call here and in every code path either an error happens or we're responding directly to this request so now we just need to fill in these methods so here we're just going to declare that function get user by user ID that takes the user ID and the callback We're going to uh, use this uh, tables variable that we can use to get a reference to our table, in this case, the users table. We're going to add a where clause. So we're just doing a simple where clause by that user ID. We're going to take one record and then call read. Now, read takes options. So we need to pass in options so that when the read is successful, we can process the results. Now, we're just going to uh, look at the length of the results. And if there are any, we're going to take the first results and pass it to our callback. Otherwise, we're going to pass in null. Next, we're going to implement the update user function. And that takes the user, the new item that we're inserting, and some options. And uh, we're going to use some raw SQL here to do the update. Uh, so we're going to call mssql.query. We're going to pass in our query to update the user, setting the device token uh, for that specific user ID. And then we just need to pass an array of um, parameters to this query. So the first one is the item's device token. The other one is the user ID. Now, we've already passed in the options callback that takes a success attribute with a function here. So we just need to pass that off directly to mssql.query. Now, again, in the event of an error, this will halt the request. If for success, it will call this function down here. So the last function we need to implement is this fetch Twitter username function. So we'll define the function here that takes the user ID and a callback. Now, remember, the user ID's format was like Twitter colon and a number, and we need to replace out that Uh, Twitter colon so that we just have the number because that's what Twitter expects and we're going to require a request module so that we can uh, make HTTP requests and the URL we're going to use against Twitter is uh, using the v1 API which makes it really easy for this demo Uh, however that API is deprecated so you're going to want to use the 1.1 API if you do this in a real app. Uh, So here we're just uh, fetching the uh, users details based on their ID Uh, log out what URL we're calling, and then finally we'll call uh, request.get with that URL, and we have to pass in a callback that takes the error, a response, and any body that is returned from the server. Now, if we get an error or the response status code is uh, not a successful status code, then we're just going to call it back with a null username and pass in the error. And here we can just uh, parse the body in the case of success, and uh, the screen name is... Uh, the Twitter's username field. So we can just pull that out and call our callback with the username. So at this point, we have a completed insert example, and this should work to uh, insert or update a user and fetch their Twitter username. So let's go ahead and save it. At this point, we should be able to build the application and run it, and we should be able to sign in with Twitter. So here we launch the application and... and uh, it actually happened really quickly. But if we hit cancel, you can see that on Vue did appear. If we're not signed in, it just flips over to, to make us sign in. So I'm going to hit sign in with Twitter. And I've already authenticated this app with Twitter, so it should just uh, dismiss immediately. Uh, but if you haven't authenticated yet, you'll have to type in your username and password. Okay, so at that point, after the Twitter auth finished, it delayed there for just a second while it called the API here to insert the new user. So let's go and take a look at the data that we just inserted, and you can see here that I had no device token, I have my room ID of 0 which means I'm not in a room, but it did pull out my Twitter username which is key. Okay, so now let's talk about rooms. Now here in our lobby we can actually click the plus button to create a new room, so let's go ahead and do that now. So we have the uh, add room tapped button. Before I get started on that one I want to create a to paste in a little helper method here. So we're going to say uh, if self prompt for no user or continue, and now we can go ahead and create the room. But we need to know the name of the room, so we're going to uh, issue another call to a method. Uh, Let's go ahead and create the method first. So this method is going to be prompt for room name with block. And then I have already defined this room name block. It's defined up at top, and it just takes a string argument here. And we have a property to maintain this block as well. And so that's going to be the block. So now here we want to create an alert view. And now on our alert view, we can set the alert view style to UI alert view style uh, plain text input. And this is something I actually just recently learned about. This will actually give us a text box that we can use on top of our alert view. And then uh, because this API here uh, uses a delegate and will call us back later. We need to hang on to this block so it doesn't go away. And I've already created a property for that. So now I can just say room name block equals block. And then finally, alert view show. So then we need to implement the uh, UI alert view delegate protocol. Alert view uh, did dismiss button with index. And here we're going to uh, basically say that if the button index is equal to the alert views cancel button index then we're going to return now we need a reference to the UI text field and then we can get the room name is equal to the text field dot text and then finally we can call if there is a room name block we're going to call it with that room name and that's a pretty clean way of uh, of doing this so now we can say self prompt for room name with block and then once the block, once the room name has been added next I'm just going to call a method add room with name passing in the name so that way we can put this somewhere else so I also have a room object here so I can say uh, create one here say room alloc init and then say a room.name is equal to name this isn't super important for us to do uh, just because there's only one attribute as you'll see I also have the attributes method here. But as you start adding more attributes, it's probably a good idea to start uh, making these dictionaries more first-class concepts. So the next thing I need to do, like you've seen before, is to get a reference to our table. And rooms table. Insert the room attributes. And in our completion block, we're going to basically paste in similar code that we saw before. In this case, we're just going to assume that everything uh, worked. And we're going to create a new room based on the item that was returned to us. So the reason why I'm creating a new room here is that we'll get the server ID of this room as well as the participant count. So uh, now I just need to call self-insert room row because once you've created it, it's nice to be able to insert it immediately on the client uh, rather than having to fetch the whole list again. So let's go ahead and add that next. i have got an array called rooms, which is a mutable array, so I can add this object to my array. And then I just need to create an index path to add this onto the end. And then we just need to tell our table view, insert rows at index paths. And I will create an array there UI table view row animation automatic. And now we should have the room in the list. Now, fetching rooms is also pretty similar. So let's go ahead and get started with that. The first thing I want to do is say UI application shared application set network activity indicator visible to yes so to create our fetch rooms method this is actually going to be called on load the very first thing we do so the first thing we want to do is set a network activity indicator to visible then we want to create an MS query and you can do this off of our rooms table here so we're just gonna say query and uh, then we're going to get a rooms array now query basically this is like a select from that table so uh, there's no where clause to this, so it's just going to get all the rooms. So now we have a rooms array. Now we just need to call read with completion on our query, and this is going to return to us an array of items, an integer with the total count, in case we're doing some sort of paging, and an NS error if the operation couldn't be completed. So uh, this is going to be called on the main thread, so we're just going to go ahead and set the network activity indicator to invisible, and then for each dictionary, we're going to create a new room object out of that dictionary and add it to our array, and then once we're done we can tell our table to reload and in the event of our refresh control animating we can end refreshing. Okay, at that point uh, we're already wired up to use our table view and our uh, room gets pulled out in the self-erode index path we set up the room name and we output the number of participants in the room we're going to have to sign in again because uh, we're not persisting any of the uh, the credentials for this user so uh, every time the uh, MS client um, is going to have a nil, nil value for the current user. Um, so what we would do in a real application is uh, persist that uh, in the keychain so that you can resurrect the current user every time you launch the application. Okay, so now when I uh, pull to refresh, it actually does get an empty response from the server with no errors. And if we hit the plus button, now we have a room name. So I'm just going to say general chat. Hit OK, and that actually got inserted to the server. So let's go take a look at that. I'm going to go back to our data tab here and then click on rooms. And you can see here that the room was created. Now if we go to script here, something that you might want to do on insert is do something like uh, created at equals new date to associate a new date with that with that record or item.createdBy. Uh, ID in order to quickly just say who created this this room. So I'm going to go ahead and save those, dismiss it and we'll go ahead and create a new room called um, off-topic. And now that we've created that new room I go to browse and you can see that those two uh, columns were created dynamically as we created a new record and uh, they have the values we want.